So now is the time for us to develop samadhi. So we've been chanting and praise of the goodness, the virtues of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. And as we chant, we do this with mindfulness and presence of mind. Our hearts are there with the chanting um, and uh, filled up with this act of chanting. And then we go after that to spread metta, to bring up kindness in our heart and share that with all beings. And the goodness that we have created through this act, we dedicate that to ourselves and then to those that we love and then out towards all beings. And filling up our hearts with this metta and then spreading that out to, to everyone. We also chant in praise of the Dhamma, and this is the teachings of the Buddha. And the last chant that we did, the Ratana Sutta, um, says that the jewels of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, and these are jewels that are unsurpassed in the universe. There's nothing higher than these. And so we... Um, bring our minds to these objects, um, into the Dhamma. And we need to, um, to do this, to, to have our minds in a suitable state and adjust our minds so that they're appropriate um, for bringing them to the Dhamma. Because the Dhamma is something that is very high and exalted and noble. So it's not the case that we adjust the Dhamma to ourselves, but rather we need to adjust our hearts to meet with the Dhamma. We then come to train in mindfulness and samadhi, collecting and firming our minds. And to practice this path of sila samadhi panya, which is the way that will take us to understanding truth. So this is a very important time in our lives that we spend engaging in this practice. And we shouldn't be heedless. We should contemplate that the days and nights are relentlessly passing. So what is it that we're doing right now? And this is especially important for the monks to contemplate. The days and nights are passing by, passing by. And so we bring our mindfulness to this object in order to um, remind ourselves of the value of our time so that we don't get heedless and uh, waste it with um, frivolous things. Because this time is something that is always changing and always passes away. So we should use the time well because it has great value for us. So like all of us coming together in these evenings, chanting, um, developing our minds and calming them down, bringing them together into a collected state and listening to the teachings. And this is a very 
appropriate way to be using our time. And we need to know how to manage our time well, how to use it in a way that brings benefit. So for the monks, we have a schedule that we keep. We go to the morning chanting, and then we go off on arms round. We help to prepare the food that we've received, and then we eat. After that, we wash our bowls. And this is all um, sorted out for us in our daily routine. And we try to be contemplating as we're doing this, to be aware of what we're doing, contemplating into the Dhamma or staying with our meditation objects, always trying to keep mindfulness, not allowing any of the time to just pass by in a wasted way. Because we have an object, we have a destination, and we need to train our minds to be able to get there and train them to um, come into a collected state. And it's very important to do this. Because we are known as Kamatana monks. Um, in Thailand, this is how the forest monks are known as, as uh, Kamatana monks. So we should be keeping our Kamatana, our meditation objects with us, and be really true to this practice of meditation. Venerable Ajahn Chah, he taught that it's not all that difficult to see and understand the Four Noble Truths. He said, we can understand these just through our eating. That if we know how to eat, then we know how to practice. And so if when we're taking the food, we just take things that we like, the things that look good, this is us um, acting through desire, through craving. Because we take the food just um, through our own wishes and we're able to, to do this. And if we carry on um, practicing like that, just taking the food that we like, then we'll notice that when we go to sit meditation after taking the food and come to observe the state of mind, then there'll be a lot of thoughts going on. We'll be thinking about the food that we've taken. If we sit for just five minutes, our mind will be thinking about the food in our bowls. And so this is a subtle form of, of tanha, of craving that's coming up um, through just taking the food that we like. So we should contemplate first um, into why it is that we eat. And this is the chant that we do every day and how the Buddha had us contemplate um, the requisites. And so we don't take food through pleasure or because of pleasure. We don't eat um, through trying to make the body beautiful. We don't eat to get too much strength or energy, but just to relieve the body from hunger and to prevent it from becoming ill. If when we eat, there's a lot of um, unpleasant physical feelings afterwards, then that shows that we've been eating through craving and we've just got lost and deluded by that act of eating. 
And if when we've finished eating, then we think about the things that we've consumed and we want to have them again, we want to have that pleasure again, then this is tanha once again. Or if we don't get the food that we like, then vipava tanha, this craving to not have or to not be arises. And we can see this causes us grief, it causes pain, it causes um, stress in our hearts. And so this is the Four Noble Truths right here within just this act of eating. So we should also take up the practice to finish all of the food that we take. So when we're done with eating, then our bowls are empty and we'll learn how much food is just enough. If when we're taking the food, we feel like it's not quite enough that we've taken, um, when we've finished eating, we'll feel that it was just right. But if we take the food and we feel like it's enough, then it'll probably be just a little bit too much when we've finished eating. So we should try to train to finish everything that we take. We should also put all of the food into just our arms bowl. And this is a good way of training our hearts um, because the mind, while it's eating, it won't be scattered and it won't be thinking about things outside the bowl. It'll be collected um, within just that one bowl. If we have things outside, we have uh, things in our bowl lid or in uh, a bowl, another small a bowl, um, then the mind won't be peaceful because we'll be thinking about those things. So when we have everything collected in the bowl, that'll help the mind to become collected as well. As we're eating, we should try to not think about um, things, to not allow the mind to proliferate outside of, a, of this act of eating. And if we do, then just bring it back to the meditation word of Buddha. To always be teaching the mind, um, no matter what we're doing. So bringing our hearts to a collected and firm state is something that's very important. Because if our minds have a firm foundation, then um, whatever we do, we'll be able to meet with success. And there won't be a scatteredness, um, a chaos to the mind. So just as um, when we take our food, then we're training our minds. It's, um, or, sorry, when we take our food, then we're training ourselves. Then we need to also train our minds in the same way. So when we sit meditation throughout the night, or we try to stay mindful through our arms round, um, this all helps to bring energy into our hearts so that we can um, have enough strength to fight against all of the sense experiences that come into contact with our minds. Because if our minds don't have enough energy, if mindfulness isn't strong enough, then there's no way wisdom is able to develop. Because the heart will always be chasing after everything that it goes and experiences. So therefore, this time that we have right now of training our minds is very important. And we need to know how to 
use our time well and how to manage our time so that we can put our sincere effort into the practice. This is all because our practice and our lives have a goal. There is a destination to it. So for the monks, um, we have uh, the goal of our lives as monks, and we need to um, use our lives and live our lives in a way that's appropriate for a monk. And it's the same for lay people. They need to live the lives of lay people in a way that's appropriate for someone who is following the path of Dhamma. And this is all for the benefit of ourselves and also that of others. So we train for um, both the benefit of ourselves and others. And through this period of just three months of the rains retreat, um, if we put in our sincere efforts and we're wholehearted in our practice, then this is something that's very good and there'll be a lot of benefit that arises. And Ajahn Chah said this himself, that if in just three months or four months um, someone sincerely practices, there'll be great benefit that comes from that. So the days and nights are passing by, passing by. And what are we doing right now? Are we sincere or not? For the lay people and also the monks, we have a goal. And we need to train our minds to get there to have mindfulness so that uh, samadhi is able to arise. During the rains retreat, we can make the determination to do our evening chanting every single day without fail, to sit in meditation, cultivate samadhi, to do our chanting, recollecting and praising the goodness of the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. And a chant that's a good test for the monks is that of the Padimokha. We can see whether we're able to do it or not. And if we are devoted to succeeding, then we will be able to do it. It requires um, a lot of energy and a lot of effort in our hearts to be able to finish this chant, to be able to memorize it. But for the forest monks, um, it's very common to... Um, have memorized this chant, even though it requires such effort. And we'll see that the kind of training that um, was required for us to learn the Padimokha, um, it's the same training that will allow our minds to come to peace. We also teach ourselves to not get deluded. Um, by talking and not go and converse too much, to not waste our time so that we just um, don't have any of it left to practice, but rather we really try to find the time to sit in meditation, do walking meditation, to bring our minds together um, and to allow all of the factors in the noble path to come together in a state of harmony. We can see with external harmony, this leads to success. So like in our workplaces, if 
all of those, all of our colleagues are working together well, and there's harmony and concord, um, this will lead to success in our work. And if there's a problem that we meet with, if everyone comes together and helps out to try and solve that problem, then we'll be able to do it. Or if there's a really heavy object and we try to lift it up by ourselves, we won't be able to. But if there are many people who come together and help us, give us a helping hand, then it's able to turn heavy things into light things. So it's really important to um, have this harmony so that we're able to defeat the defilements and transform our wrong views into right views. But it all depends upon this coming together and the harmony of sila, samadhi, panya, of this eightfold path, all of the factors coming together into one. And in order for true wisdom to arise and develop, we need to do this. We need to have things in balance. Because if there is too much wisdom in the mind, this will lead to the mind being very scattered and uh, unsettled. But if there's too much samadhi, then the mind will just be absorbed in that and there won't be any place for wisdom to arise. So both of these need to work together. Sila, or morality, is the peace of our body and our speech. But even though um, we have that, that peace externally, it's not able to make our mind still. All of the sense objects can still um, come into our hearts, and greed, hatred, and delusion is still able to arise. And so this uh, morality, sila, it's not able to destroy the defilements. So what we need to do is train ourselves in mindfulness and creating stability of our hearts until we get the energy um, from happiness and from the joy that comes from that samadhi. When our minds are in a very contented and energetic state like this, then the defilements will be suppressed to one degree. So this peace of mind is a mind that is stable. And then from that stability, that foundation of calm, we can then look and investigate, go through our bodies in whatever method we find useful. We can separate out the elements into the four different uh, properties, or see that all of this is just empty. We usually perceive these bodies and rupa, physicality, as being self. Whatever forms or sights that we see, we take that all in terms of self. When we hear a sound, we think that it's me who's hearing it. Or when we smell something, when we, our bodies come into contact with something, then it's all taken personally. We say that I feel cold or I feel hot, and that there's all just self there. And when any thoughts or emotions appear in the heart, this is all taken personally as well. We take <clears throat> possession over it. So we should contemplate and reflect upon these things until we gain a true understanding of their nature. 
to see that there's no self there, that it's all not self. There's no me, there's no other. These bodies are just a heap of earth, water, fire and air. And when we separate it out in a detailed and subtle way, then it's just emptiness. There are some philosophers who contemplate um, the way of um, seeing ourselves as just being one speck of dust here in the whole gigantic universe. That these bodies and ourselves are just a tiny particle in this huge um, expanse. But still, our minds go and attach to this tiny speck of dust and give it great importance, seeing it as being something very big and something of um, great significance. But really, it's not self. We can see that before we were born, 70 years ago, 80 years ago, where were we then? If this body is me, then where was I 70 years ago? We are born just from these elements that collect together. But once they've come together, then they slowly but steadily start to um, degenerate and start to fall apart. And in the end, they'll all just go back to where they came from. So we see that this is not sure and it's unstable. So therefore, we look into the things that we take as being self, to try to see them as not self, to try to correct the views that we have. Whenever we feel liking or disliking towards anything at all, we try to contemplate in a way that allows us to see that this isn't me, this isn't mine, until we gain an understanding of reality. As we practice in this way, our wrong views will um, be done with. They'll um, go and they'll be replaced by right views. And this bringing up of right view is the arising of wisdom. So we can see that samadhi does develop and culminate in wisdom. So all of us should try to be sincere to have this devotion towards our practice and to train ourselves every way, every day. Because the time that we have is of great value. And if we have wisdom and intelligence, then we won't just throw that time away or use it in frivolous ways, but rather we'll devote it to what's of the highest benefit. We'll use our time to practice, to cultivate our hearts and to bring our minds to our meditation objects. So I think I have explained enough um, for today and enough for everyone to um, take what I've said and contemplate it and use it in the practice. And so today is the 16th of July. <laughs>